From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for the next hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Later in the show, we'll meet our VIP, that's very important puzzler, the comedian and actor Michael Ian Black. And we're going to play a game with him where we learn to talk like this. Like, OMG, he's adorbs, I can't wait. But right now, let's welcome our one-man house band, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Hello. Hello, Fira. Hello, Jonathan. And we're off to the puzzles with our first two fabulous contestants, Dakon Abbey and Christy O'Neill. Dakon, am I saying your name right? Close enough. Close enough. I like that uh, you have sort <laughs> of sure a, you're used a range. To that. <laughs> you have a range. You accept a range as well, right? Yes. And Christy, I hear that you are a voracious reader. Yes. How many books on average do you read each year? About 160. What? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I like that you, that you just took a look around and went, yeah, no, it's true, people. Well, it's they're true. not like all war and peace or anything. <laughs> oh, really? Like yeah. Sweet Valley High and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Well, our first game is called Six Degrees of Francis Bacon. (laughs) Not Kevin Bacon, Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon, as you know, was a 16th century pioneer of the scientific method. Or was he a 20th century painter known for his raw graphic imagery? Or was he both? Yes, he was both. <laughs> and that's what this game is about. Famous people who share the same first and last name. So we're going to give you clues to both individuals, and you have to give us their shared name. And the winner of this round, of course, goes on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here's your first question. This country singer knew when to hold them, when to fold them, and when to pitch a perfect game. Christy. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers is correct. You had a brief moment, right? You had a moment where you're like, I yeah, know what. Yeah, I said Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Right. But Someone he, with a beard. Yeah, he didn't know how to fold him. <laughs> this comedian might have been a hoser on the sketch show SCTV. Hello, Canada. But at least he knows where's the beef. Christy. Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas. When this English musician is stepping out, he likes to look sharp, which is only right, because he's the father of the king of pop. Christy. Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson is correct. (laughs) This actor suffered from shrinkage on Seinfeld, but he still got his childhood friend Britney Spears to marry him for at least 55 hours. Christy. Jason Alexander. That is correct. Now, did you know that answer from the first side of the clue or the second side of the clue? The, the first side of the clue. Did you know the Britney Spears one? No. No, you didn't know that? Now you do. Aren't you glad? I'm excited. A little bit of extra, yeah, exactly. I can take that home with me. See? 170 books, and now you got something else. This actress not only sang in the movie version of Guys and Dolls, but as a man, she did it in full demon makeup with a long, bloody tongue. <laughs> I don't know why you looked at me when you said that. (laughs) Gene Simmons. Okay. One of Hollywood's greatest actors, he would later start a company selling breakfast sausage patties. Dakon. Jimmy Dean. You got it. Jimmy Dean is correct. (laughs) 
is on the board. Thanks for the love. <laughs> this pop singer is a survivor of an R&B trio alongside Beyonce before she got her heart broken by a cowboy on Brokeback Mountain. Christy. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams is correct. All right, it was a close match, but Christy, you are moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Takah, thank you so much for being a fabulous contestant. I wonder if there's other Jonathan Coltons out there. I'm sure, I'm sure there must be. But I bet none of them could sing as beautifully as you. No, I'm sure, I'm sure they're all <laughs> lesser singers than me. <laughs> Do you want to play a fabulous song? Yeah, sure. We were just talking about uh, Destiny's Child. This is a Destiny's Child song called Bills, Bills, Bills. First we started out real cool Taking me places I ain't never been But now you're getting comfortable And doing the things that you did no more Slowly making me pay for things Your money should be handling Now you ask to use my car Drive it all day and don't fill up the tank Then you have the audacity to even come and step to me Ask to hold some money from me Until you get your check next week Traveling, good for nothing type of brother Silly me, why haven't I found another A baller, when times get hard He's the one to help me out Instead of a scrub like you Don't know what a man's about Do you pay my bills? Do you pay my telephone bills? Do you pay my automobiles? If did then maybe we could chill but i don't think you do so you and me are through thank you take that other jonathan coltons yeah jonathan coltons uh-oh double trouble let's welcome our next two contestants mary brownlee and sarah Bubalis. Now, what I can enjoy, but our listeners can't see, is that what we have right here are a pair of adorable, identical twins. Oh, my God! Do you sound identical? I don't know. Do you sound identical? Yes. yes. <laughs> can you do that again? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Well, are you spooky identical twins? <laughs> Just like the shiny. <laughs> So I'm sure a lot of people are obsessed with the idea of identical twins and they want to ask you all these questions. So, but my question is, can you think the same? Do you, like, share the same thoughts? When we touch, purple lights shoot out of our really? hands sometimes. Oh, awesome. <laughs> when, what number am I thinking of? Seven. Yep, that was it. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> Mary, who's going to win this round? Uh, me, of uh, course. Interesting. Sarah, yes. what do you think? Uh, me. Okay, <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay, so they do think independently as yeah. well. We got a good one in store for you. Jonathan, I think it's your favorite game of all time. This is my favorite game. I like this game a lot. This, that, or the other. Yes, that's right. I will name an item, and all you have to do is tell me to which of three categories that item belongs. Today's categories are tech companies, car models, and Star Wars locations. <laughs> Just to clarify, the tech companies are currently traded on NASDAQ. The automobile models are recently in production, or in production now. And uh, the Star Wars locations existed a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. I'm going to alternate questions between the two of you so you don't have to worry about the buzzers. Just tell me, is it a tech company, a car model, or a Star Wars location? So, Mary, we're going to start with you. Okay. Dagobah. 
Star Wars. Yes, that's right. That's where Yoda lived. I knew that, too. Sarah, Elantra. Car model. Yes, you are correct. Mary, Touareg. Car. Yes. Sarah, Zynga. Tech company. Yes. You can thank them for Farmville. Mm, oh, yes. If you are thankful for Farmville. And all those other crazy things. Yeah, yeah Bubble Safari. Is that mm-hmm. something? Something with a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mary. Alderaan. Car. No. <sighs> it is a Star Wars location. <sighs> for goodness sake, that was Princess Leia's home planet. That's where Princess Leia is from. For shame. Yeah. Sarah, Bespin. Star Wars. You are right. The home of the beautiful Cloud City. Uh, Mary, Altera. Tech company? Yes, it is a tech company. Sarah, Xterra. Car. Yes. This one's for you, Mary. Naboo? Star Wars. Star Wars is right. Where Jar Jar Binks was born. Oh, well. (laughs) Sarah, Baidu. Star Wars? It's a tech company. (laughs) Baidu is the Chinese Google. Mm. Mary, Yavin. Tech company? No, it's a Star Star Wars Wars location. Was that your second choice? Yeah. Uh, Sarah, Yandex. Tech company. Yes. It is a Russian Baidu. (laughs) They can use that one for free in their marketing if they want. (laughs) Mary, Veyron. Tech company. Oh, no, it's a car. That's a tricky one. It sounds like a tech company. It yeah, does, we yeah. Like yeah. It's Bugatti. It's a super fast sports car. They're very fast. Be careful. Sarah, Coruscant. Star Wars? Yes. Mary, Xilinx. I'll spell that for you. X I. L-I-N-X. Tech company. Yes, it is a tech company. You are right. Okay, Sarah. Kashik. I'll spell that one for you, to be fair. <laughs> K-A-S-H-Y-Y-Y-K. Can you say it again? <laughs> the spelling confused me. Kashik. Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> Chewbacca's home planet. All right, that was extraordinarily close in so many ways. Sarah, you did it. You are the winner. You're moving on to Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you, Sarah. Congratulations. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to our VIP, that's very important puzzler, actor and comedian Michael Ian Black. 
So I ask you this. Michael Ian Black is a man of many talents. Amongst them, he writes children's books. In which of his stories does the main character have the ability to read your mind? We'll get Michael Ian Black up here to give us the answer coming up on NPR's Ask Me Another. to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is this week's VIP, that's a very important puzzler, actor and comedian Michael Ian Black. (laughs) Welcome to Ask Me Another, Michael. Thanks, it's great to be here. You get around. Uh, I knew you from MTV, the sketch group The State. Mm -hmm. You've gone on to appear in tons of television, movies, you have written half a dozen books of different genres, some of them are children's books, a memoir, book of essays, you are... Radical feminist poetry, you neglected to say. I can't wait uh, to read the sequel to that, you Mm -hmm. are a prolific (laughs) tweeter, you're a pretty good poker player. Yeah. You got a lot going on, we're going to have to focus here. You neglected uh, the part where I'm often unemployed. (laughs) Yeah, that just sounds like downtime to me. Just a lot of downtime. <laughs> Before the break, I tease a trivia question. In which of your stories does the main character have the ability to read your mind? That's in my second children's book entitled The Purple Kangaroo. Uh, but the, the character that reads people's minds is not a kangaroo, is in fact a lemonade-selling monkey. Ah. Did you always want to write a children's book? Or? No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, but I had kids, and uh, when they were little, I would read them these children's books, and I thought, like I think most parents do, oh, I could do this. Right. Let me see if I could make money off exploiting my children. <laughs> and, but what I found out is that, you know, uh, children's book authors, when you talk to them, you know, you'll hear them say, you know, it's very difficult to write children's books because although the text may be short you have to really construct it in such a sort of uh, a complicated way, but it has to feel organic, and you really have to spend a lot of time on word choice, and it's, it's the equivalent of writing any other kind of book. And what I discovered is that isn't true at all. <laughs> it's really easy. It is really easy to write children's <laughs> books. One of the things that was important to me in writing children's books was that I wasn't writing down to anybody, that I'm, you know, I'm writing hopefully as much for the parent who has to read the stupid thing as the kid who has to listen to the stupid thing. And make no mistake, these books are stupid. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you got a new one on the way. I do. So as a, uh, obviously as someone who writes children's book and you know, you have children, you know children, you can speak to them because you're writing books that speak. What is your number one child raising tip? Um, when they say they hate you, <laughs> it's best to just go, I hate me too. <laughs> you turn the tables on them like that. <laughs> Never fails to make them cry. Now, you went to NYU in, for performing arts, mm-hmm. uh, and that was when you got accepted, were you just like, my life's going to change? Well, in that moment? Yeah. I'll, I actually will never forget that. I remember getting the envelope from New York University, 
And when you're a college senior, you're, you're taught the small envelopes are bad news, the big envelopes are, big, are good news, and it was a big envelope, and I opened it up, and, it, it, and, I, and I remember just jumping and dancing, and it was, it was the most physical activity I had ever performed <laughs> up to that point in my life, and probably since. But you did not finish NYU. Oh, no, I dropped out uh, <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> Once I got to New York, you know, my goal was achieved. There was no point in staying there. Um, No, I I, I finished my second year, had started my junior year, and got the opportunity to become a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Which one? uh, Raphael. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, best looking one. So when that opportunity presents itself, one doesn't say, oh, no, thank you. I don't want to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. You seize that by the shell, and you run. (laughs) So that's what I did. So in addition to all this, you decided to sort of shed the comedic persona, you know, kind of smart-alecky, above-it-all, snarky guy, and get very vulnerable and write a very hilarious memoir called You're Not Doing It Right. As you're writing it, are you freaking out that people are going to read this? No, I don't have that kind of foresight where I'm thinking... (laughs) Somebody's actually going to read this. At the time, I'm thinking this book is a year overdue. I just need to finish it. As it happens, people did read it. And it was really interesting to me because the process of writing about myself, what was important to me was that I be as honest and as self-critical and not, not paint myself in any kind of flattering light that I didn't feel like I deserved. And in doing so, like, I really had to talk about my relationship with my wife in as honest a way as I could. And I didn't really feel nervous about that in terms of her reaction because it wasn't anything that I hadn't said to her. You know, I'd say to her all the time, you're a terrible, terrible person. (laughs) And she says the same to me, but in much, much stronger language. But then I was just surprised when the book came out and people, their reaction to it was often, I can't believe that you would talk about your marriage in these frank terms. And it surprised me because it, it seemed to me that, I, I guess I was surprised, I thought everybody who was married talked to their spouses like that. That everybody, you know, was awful to their spouse and wonderful to their spouse. And, and that that relationship encompassed the gamut of human emotion and feeling. Turns out everyone's just lying. That's the impression I get, <laughs> is that most people in relationships are just lying to each other and in denial about how they really feel. So, yeah, my advice to your, to your audience, I guess, is break up. <laughs> and now you're also a poker player. You've played... I am a poker player. In fact, I just played a charity poker tournament with Ira Glass, also oh. of NPR fame, oh, wow. in which he eliminated me. Are you competitive? I'm very you... competitive. You can't play poker and not be competitive because the idea is when you sit down at the poker table, all I'm thinking is I need to vanquish my foes. And everyone at the poker table are my foes. But really, the foe is I. Ah. All right, Makila in Black. Well, we have a challenge coming up for you where you can decide, is the foe you or is the foe the others? But first, I will ask you, do you think you'd be up for it? Ask me another challenge. Oh, of course. All right. Michael Ian Black, thank you. We'll see you later in the hour for an Ask Me Another Challenge. Hey, Jonathan, do you feel like playing another song? Do I ever? Michael was talking about reading books to uh, children and describing the books as stupid books. You'll know what he's talking about. Having children, 
is frequently an experience of incredible joy and also excruciating pain at the same time. This is about that. This is one of my songs. This is called You Ruined Everything. <laughs> I was fine. I pulled myself together just in time. To throw myself away Once my perfect world was gone I knew you ruined everything In the nicest way You should know How great things were before you even so The better still today Now I can't think who I was Before you ruined everything In the nicest way Jonathan Colton. Thank you. While Michael stews backstage, let's get back to the gaming action. I see our next two contestants, Darla Gutierrez and George Kunda, settling in behind their puzzle podiums. Welcome. Thank you. Darla, you're a children's librarian. What is one of your favorite children's books? Alice in Wonderland. <gasps> Alice in Wonderland, the one that's kind of about drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Depends how you read it. <laughs> Depends how you read it. You have to read it with a soft voice. Yes. <laughs> and George, you were a kid's spelling bee champ? I, I always asked for the use in a sentence. That was my, uh, that was my backup plan every oh, yeah. time. And that yeah. worked for you. Every time. Now all the kids are doing it. They, they can't stop. <laughs> you started the trend? That's exactly right. Our next game is called Bust a Cap. Oh Let's welcome our puzzle guru, Art Chung, to the stage. Hey, Opera. Art, is our show going gangsta? About as gangsta as a public radio quiz show can get here. <laughs> We're going to be talking about caponyms. Oh. Yeah, that's the cap. Caponyms are words that have different meanings depending on whether they're capitalized or not. So I'll give you a sentence that contains clues to both versions of the word, and you have to tell me what's the word we're looking for. For example, if I said, the man from this Middle Eastern country likes his with stuffing and gravy, you would say turkey. Turkey, the country, capitalized. Turkey, lowercase, poultry. And contestants, here's a hint. Sometimes the word will be pronounced differently when it's capitalized versus when it's not. Here's your first question. On Christmas Eve, a huge number of people attended this midnight church service. Darla. Mass. Mass is correct. The boy from this South American capital never finishes these beans, even when they're called butter beans. Uh, that's George. Lima or Lima. That's correct. Lima or Lima. People in this Asian capital carry their important documents in this type of envelope. Darla. Manila. You got it. Manila. Even with a book in the Bible named after him, 
This man still felt like he needed a paying gig. Darla? Job. Job or Job. There you go. There you go. The man from Gdansk does this to keep his silverware shiny. Darla? Polish or Polish? You got it. Only the most majestic leaders find a reason to celebrate the month that is, among other things, National Goat Cheese Month. George. The one I probably don't know, March. No, I'm sorry, that is not National Goat Cheese Month. How do you not know when National Goat Cheese Month is? <laughs> Darla's shaking her head. Three seconds. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, anybody out there know? August. 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 Or August. Okay. Uh, and you know how it always is. Like, it gets earlier and earlier when they put up all their stuff. Like, now the goat cheese is in the windows in June, and you're like, really? Already? It's ridiculous. Maybe this kind of chemical bond held these famous ancient Greek columns together. George. Ion, Ionic. Correct, Ionic. Close game, but Darla, you won. Congratulations. Congratulations, Darla. You'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Thank you so much, George, for being a great competitor. Thank you. Did you skip your friend's wedding to attend a pub trivia night? Do you consider playing Scrabble the perfect first date activity? Then we want to hear from you. To be a future contestant on Ask Me Another, simply email us at askmeanother at npr.org, or you can reach us through Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to getting to know you one question at a time. On our stage right now, we have Lauren Weiskirk and Stefan Salva-Cruz ready for our next game. Hello, Afira. Hello, Stefan. Hello, Lauren. Uh, Stefan, do you have a favorite fruit? Fruit? Fruit, yeah. Um, it's an orange? odd question, right? Oh, absolutely. Orange? Yeah. I like orange, too. That's a good one. Lauren, favorite fruit? Green apple? Wow, it's weird. That's a tough question for everybody. It was really hard, yeah. This game is called Fruit Salad. Jonathan, what's that about? It's about fruit. (laughs) But actually, it's about notable songs and musical artists that have a fruit in their name. So I'm going to sing you a snippet of a famous song, and I will ask you to identify either the title of the song or the artist. And then after each musical answer, we will ask a follow-up question that either one of you can buzz in for. And we're looking for the song title here. Ooh, I bet you're wondering how I knew About your plans to make me blue Some other guy you knew before Between the two of us guys, you know I love you more It took me by surprise, I must say When I found out yesterday Don't you know that Stefan. Uh, Addicted to Love? Oh, no. Lauren's going to steal. Heard it through the grapevine? Heard it through the grapevine. Stefan, that was not what I expected you to say. No, no. Similar chord progression, but not not at all the same. (laughs) I think maybe you were responding to my my blue-eyed soul sound. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. 
After the main character of the hit movie Sideways raved about Pinot Noir, sales of the wine took off. But what wine varietal suffered a drop-off in sales after being bashed in the same movie? Lauren. Chardonnay? No, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Can you steal, Stefan? Um, was it Pinot Grigio? Also incorrect. I'm sorry. Anyone out there? Merlot. Merlot was the dark, terrible wine never to be drunk again. And then you realized it was fine, like the next day. Okay, we are looking for the song title here. I said, Doctor, ain't there nothing I can take? I said, Doctor, to relieve this belly ache, you put this fruit in the other fruit, you drink them both together, put this fruit in the other fruit, and then you feel better. Lauren, who is crying <laughs> through laughter. You put the lime in the coconut. You put the lime in the coconut. I think we brought up some memories with that one. <laughs> a longtime staple of tropical locales, coconut water has become increasingly popular in the U.S. The leading brand, Vita Coco, has run an extensive ad campaign featuring what music superstar who originally hails from Barbados? Lauren. Rihanna? Rihanna, that is correct. <laughs> Stefan, plenty of time to get in the game. You're all good. It's all right. <laughs> You're all good. We're looking for the recording artist. It's a cruel, cruel summer. Leaving me here on my own. It's a cruel, it's a cruel, cruel summer. <laughs> now you're gone. You're not the only one. Stefan. Fiona Apple? Oh. No, I'm sorry, but that, that would have been a good question. We should have written a question. Give it a shot. That. <laughs> yeah, that is a fruit, yeah. Nope, I'm sorry. Lauren is looking at me like you have no idea. I no know. idea at all. Yeah, okay, I'm really upset with both of you right now, seriously. <laughs> I'll throw it out there. Bananarama. Bananarama. In perfect Ask Me Another form, we go from 1982 to 1922 in this question. Bananarama may have complained about a cruel summer, but according to T.S. Eliot's famous poem, The Wasteland, what is the cruelest month? That's a good puzzle writing right there. No? Cruelest month? Lauren, take a guess. August? That's a very good guess, but incorrect. I liked it. That's clearly your cruel month? Yes. Yeah, you don't like it at all. Stefan, do you want um, to say what your cruel month is? October. Okay. Try and yeah, fruit-based... Months. Fruit-based sure. months. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking pumpkins? The cruelest month is actually April. August would be a very cruel month if it weren't for all of the goat cheese that is around. That is true. <laughs> We're looking for the recording artist on this one. I don't understand why I sleep all day And I start to complain that there's no rain all I can do is read a book to stay awake And it rips my life away But it's a great escape 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 Lauren Blind Melon Blind Melon is correct 
Blind Melon may have complained about no rain, but at least they weren't stuck in the Atacama Desert, considered to be the driest place on Earth. Rain clouds from the Pacific Ocean can't reach the desert because they are blocked by what famously long South American mountain range. Lauren. Andes? Andes is correct. Well done. That is the game, and it turns out, Lauren, you are moving on to our final showdown at the end of the show. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Stefan. This is NPR's Ask Me Another, and I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Coming up, we'll celebrate the teenage girl in all of us with a little help from our VIP, Michael Ian Black. So stay tuned. to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me on our stage is our very important puzzler, Michael Ian Black. Hello. So, Michael, we thought that uh, before we throw you in the puzzle pit, we'd make you run a game with us. We're going to first welcome our contestants that are going to play this game. Let's welcome Andrew Sommerfeld and Erica Pietracola. Erica, I enjoy your last name, and I'm told you have a very strange nickname, EMDB. That's a family nickname? Yes. What does EMDB stand um, for? My father doesn't use imdb.com. He calls me on the phone when he has a question. He's like, who is that person in that movie that did that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and I can always figure out who that person was who was in that movie who did that thing. So does he have a computer? Yes. Oh, okay. He just refused. But he kind of fat fingers everything, so... Aww. I love my dad. That's adorable. He's so cute. There's always, like, a finger in the photo, you know? <laughs> Andrew, do you have a, a family nickname? I don't have a family nickname. I have a nickname at work. Okay. What's your nickname at work? They call me the Goog. The Be- Goog? Because... I have my uh, smartphone, and I Google everything anytime there's a question, so I'm... You guys are both people with answers. Good. Let's hope we have the answers here. It's a lot of pressure. Well, you are Google-free and IMDb-free on this next game. This next game has to do with a little something called uptalk. Like, you know, when teenage girls' voices go up at the end of everything? No matter what they say, it always sounds like a question. So in this game, we imagine what famous advertising slogans might sound like if they had valley girls say them. Like suddenly a powerful command like just do it becomes just do it. (laughs) Or for example, if we said a computer company wonders whether you should have unique ideas, you would say, think different. So you're going to go up on the end like that and we are looking just for the slogans, not the companies. And Michael is going to help me here. I guess. (laughs) And do alternate questions. Okay, I guess. All right. A famous newspaper might have all the stories that are suitable to read. Andrew. Like, all the news that's fit to print? (laughs) For sure. Totally right. The Goog. The Goog. 
A breakfast chain wonders if the U.S. is fueled by them? Andrew. Like, America totally runs on Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're way too good at that? <laughs> a precious stone monopoly thinks maybe their product will last an eternity? Erica. A diamond is forever? <laughs> Correct. A long-distance telephone company asks you to extend a hand and contact a person. Erica. Reach out and touch someone? (laughs) Yes. But if I'm going to let someone reach out and touch me, like, they have to buy me something, you know? Yeah, like, totally. Totally. There's this guy in my chemistry class... And I totally wish he would reach out and touch me. It is always chemistry, isn't it? It's always chemistry. Paid for by farmers, these ads want you to try the alternative colorless protein? Erica. Pork, it's what's for dinner? (laughs) You're very close. It's not exactly the slogan. The alternative colorless protein? Andrew for the steal. Uh, pork, it's what's for dinner. That's what I said. <laughs> That's what I, I said. I know it, I know it, I know it. Okay, I'm sorry, you already gave the wrong answer, but you can give it to me. Uh, it's pork, the other white meat. Ah, there you go. It's beef, it's what's for dinner. Beef, it's what's for dinner. That has color. That does have color. <laughs> I know what, a colorless protein just sounds terrible, though. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready for your next question? A restaurant chain's poultry might be hand-lapping tasty. Andrew. Uh, It's totally finger-licking good. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) For a popular beer brand, some people say it has flavor. Some people say it leaves room. Andrew. It tastes great or less filling. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, maybe it's the first meal of the day for winners. That was the question. That was a question. Yeah, that was the question. It's like the breakfast of champions. Oh my God, it's totally the breakfast of champions. Totally. Yeah. That's Wheaties. Andrew, you are the winner of this round. Congratulations. You are the teenager of the year. Moving on to Ask Me One More Final Round. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you, Michael Ian Black. Yeah, you get to switch positions because now we're going to play a game where you get to be quizzed. I'm excited. Yes. Okay, Michael, I think we're ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge. Let's welcome back Jonathan Colton. Hello. Now, Michael, you told us you're a poker whiz. I hope you weren't bluffing with that. Good poker pun. (laughs) So this quiz is all about... Poker. And to make it challenging, we found a very special challenger for you. Let's welcome Matt Matros. Hey. Hello. Some dude just came on stage and stood next to me. Now, Matt is a writer and a filmmaker, but he's also a professional poker player with three World Series of Poker titles under his belt. 
His lifetime tournament earnings total over $2.3 million. He took a helicopter here. He's what you call a ringer. Thank you so much, Matt. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, when, when's the last time you played poker? I played poker at the Borgana Winter Open in January in Atlantic City, not too far from here. Well, the winner of this will win a special Ask Me Another puzzle prize. Ooh. So let's shuffle up and deal. Good luck. That's what I say at the table. What do you say? Good luck to my opponents. So I'm just wishing you luck. Drop dead, that's what oh. I say. <laughs> Good luck, Matt. See, he wants to vanquish his foes. I never thought of that. I should really <laughs> incorporate that in my yeah, game. Yeah, but I'm terrible at poker. <laughs> in Texas Hold'em, your two starting cards often have clever nicknames. A pair of eights are called snowmen. A pair of jacks are called fishhooks. If you hold an ace and a king, it's known as the big slick. Yeah. But it's also named after what attractive female tennis star from the late 90s, because like her, ace king looks good, but never wins. Michael. Anna Kornikova. That's correct. You're going to let me win, aren't you, Matt? Don't let me win. You beat me on the buzzer. I can't help it. Don't do that. You guys are just like hilarious little old friends. <laughs> a lot of Hollywood actors think they're pretty good at poker, maybe because they have a lot of money to blow and think they're good bluffers. But one actor is the real deal. With 11 World Series of Poker caches, including a sixth-place prize finish at the World Series of Poker Championship back in 1980... You probably remember him as a star of a sitcom called Welcome Back, Cotter. Who is he? Michael. Gabe Kaplan. Gabe Kaplan is correct. It's all about the buzzer. I like your buzzer technique. You hold it out and strongly push I'm it. I'm really just trying to prove to the audience that I know it, whether I get it right or wrong. <laughs> a piece of poker etiquette you may have learned from the movie Rounders is that you shouldn't splash the pot. What's splashing the pot? Matt. It's when you drop the chips slowly so they're not all in one stack and you kind of dribble them across the pond. Okay, I, I think I'm going to take that. It's a very, very florid and poetic description. But How are lovely. you defining splash? I mean, the I like the dribbling and the. Uh -huh. I was, we were thinking of it more like a, a aggressive throwing. But either way, it's the point is that you can't count them. Yes, and that's, that's the, the problem. Yes. So you had the right problem, but your technique is more romantic. <laughs> I've been told that before. <laughs> Poker players, much like you two, are not always what we call graceful losers. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's hear one poker pro pontificate on ESPN after a bad beat at the World Series of Poker. Idiot players call races with Queen 10. They don't even know how to spell poker. I mean, like, this kid has all the chips. He probably won't even make the final 200. That was 13-time World Series poker bracelet winner Phil Helmuth, and thanks to his theatrical tirades, Helmuth is known by what nickname? Matt. He is, uh, unfortunately, known as the Poker Brat. Poker Brat, that is correct. For such an aggressive uh, card game, that's sort of a lame, insulting name, the Poker it's, Brat. It's accurate for him, I think. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> The old West lawman known as Wild Bill Hickok was shot in the back of the head while playing five-card draw in a saloon in Deadwood, South Dakota. The cards he was holding became known as the Dead Man's Hand. What is the Dead Man's Hand? Matt. Dead Man's Hand is aces and eights.
and technically of what? Well, it's two pair, aces and eights. Okay, but what, what, do you want to add anything yeah, to that? Yeah, what suit, Matt? <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I can tell you about the hand. Uh, I don't know what more you need. Okay, we'll give you and the... I don't know either, so how do you like that? <laughs> technically, they're all black. Okay. But uh, there's a little something extra to add, but we'll give you the point, Matt. We'll give you the point. High-stakes poker players love making what are called proposition or prop bets, like betting on who can lose the most weight in a month or offering someone $30,000 to run 100 miles in the Las Vegas desert in a day. But perhaps the most bizarre prop bet of all time was taken by poker and backgammon pro Brian Zembeck, who won $100,000 from his friends after undergoing what plastic surgery procedure? Matt. Oh, my God. Michael is about to lose his mind. Uh, there's a book with the title, A uh, Man with $100,000 Breasts, and I believe he got breast implants. Yes, that is correct. Well, turns out, Matt, you won that round. You were a fantastic contestant, and you deserved it. I know, Michael, that you knew everything because you had the buzzer going, but it was That's just... That's why a, I had it up. I, know, I was trying I know. to prove to you... Yeah, that buzzer was not your friend tonight. Just like the cards aren't my friend at the tables, man. You have to make do with the cards you get. That's the game. Oh, boy. Oh, see, there you go. Matt, we have a Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube for you. I know you've been wanting that. And, Michael, we might just have an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube for you. All right. Yeah, I that's win right. Too. One more round of applause for Matt and our VIP, Michael Ian Black. Jonathan, how about another song? Yeah, I don't know how I could not play this song. This is by Kenny Rogers. It's called The Gambler. On a warm summer's eve, a train bound for nowhere, met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns staring out the window at the darkness till boredom overtook us. He began to speak. He said, son, I've made a living out of reading people's faces. Knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes And if you don't mind me saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I will give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bummed a cigarette And asked me for a light Then the night got deathly quiet his face lost all expression If you're gonna play the game, boy You got to learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away Know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the deal is done Jonathan Colton. Thank you. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from Six Degrees of Francis Bacon, Christy O'Neill, from This, That, or the Other, Sarah Bubalus, from Busta Cap, Darla Gutierrez, from Fruit Salad, Lauren Weiskirk, and from Just Do It, Andrew Sommerfeld. 
I'm going to ask our puzzle guru, Art Chung, to take us out. Afira, in keeping with this week's theme, this final game is called It's in the Cards. Each correct answer will contain one of the four playing card suits, spades, hearts, clubs, or diamonds. So, for example, if I said Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were cast members on this kid's show, you'd say the Mickey Mouse Club. We're playing this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds. Last person standing is our grand winner. And remember, every answer will contain either the word spade, heart, club, or diamond. Christy, you're up. Humphrey Bogart played this gruff private investigator in The Maltese Falcon. Sam Spade. You got it. Sarah, it's the title location where you'd find 50 Cent with a bottle full of bub. Three seconds. Champagne Club? No, I'm sorry, Darla, do you know the answer? Darla sh- No. <laughs> Darla shakes her head. Lauren? In Duck Club? In Duck Club is correct. Sorry, we have to let Sarah and Darla go. Andrew, this U.S. military award is based on a design by George Washington. Three seconds. No clue. No clue. Christy, do you know? The Purple Heart. The Purple Heart, that's correct. (laughs) We are quickly down to two players. Lauren, it makes a Tom Collins all bubbly inside. A diamond ring? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Christy, if you know, you'll win the game. Club soda. Club soda is correct. Congratulations, Christy O'Neill. You are our Ask Me Another big winner. And we have a special prize for you. We have an Ask Me Another ultimate swag bag for you filled with all kinds of cool stuff. Congratulations. Thanks so much for listening, and you don't have to let the game stop here. Why not take us with you everywhere by downloading our podcast? And if you really miss us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Launch at Jot Noon. Additional puzzle writing by Jonathan Bayless, Kyle Beakley, Greg Lightman, Karen Lurie, Dan Schofield, and Greg Volk. Ask Me Another is produced by Josh Rogeson, John Asante, Hat on Jeans, and Eleanor Kagan, and recorded by Paul Ruest, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtgen. Our senior supervising producer is Jesse Baker. Our general manager is Portia Robertson Migas. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. We'd like to thank The Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, our home in Brooklyn, New York, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harip Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, host of Ask Me Another, and I like to think I know a little something about how to make people laugh. But these clowns will stop at nothing. (laughs) (laughs) He licked her. (laughs) Oh, clowns. From the Big Apple Circus, it's the Acrobufos next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Game on!